Hello and welcome to Real Living. This is Lavinia Spirito with Marilyn Imachek. And uh, this is uh, show five in the series that we're doing on Eucharistic Revival. Now, Mary Lou. Yes. You, I think you could be considered a member of the choir. What exactly is Eucharistic Revival? What have you understood it to be? Well, I, I, I think that um, through the eyes of the church, they're trying to wake everyone up and remind them of what the Eucharist actually is, because it appears as though, from my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, that um, there are more more people in the pews that really do not understand that the Eucharist is truly truly the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. That this is this is really our food for life. This is something that we need, and um, you know, it's it's. I think. People have kind of um, lost that reverence, and um, and the church feels as though they need to do something about it. And this is going to, again, be over a three-year period. So, and I think um, each year is devoted to some aspect of the Eucharist. So, um, you know, from my standpoint, you know, I'm already in. I already believe it's. It, you know, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't need the revival. But clearly other people do. And I think it's very difficult to tell it from my standpoint <clears throat> what impact this is all making on it. Yeah, it's, it's different. I understand. It, it's, I agree. You know, I think that um, if I can share with the audience that you just recently, you know, gave a talk on the Eucharist. And I was delighted to see the turnout, first of all, that people were there um, coming to listen to it. My impression was they learned something. So that tells me that there's work that needs to be done and that these people were actually open to some of the wonderful points that that you covered in terms of, um, you know, uh, the Eucharist being hidden in the Old Testament, revealed in the New Testament. And kind of connecting the dots is the way I would um, describe it. And yeah, yeah, that was the whole point. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that was um, a helpful way for people to start chewing on it, so to speak, because um, let's face it, I think COVID made a difference. And I think that people just go through the motions for a lot of things that they do these days. Mm -hmm. And um, this is something that we really need. And this, this, this food actually does something. You know, we have we have saints that have actually lived on the Holy Eucharist without eating other food. Saint Catherine of Siena is one person that comes to mind, and I I know that they tried to make her eat food, and each time she did, she became ill because she didn't need it, and she lived on the Eucharist. It's been documented. Um, so, it, you know, and, and there's besides the the going to mass and and trying to to convince people, you know, what's going on. Again, that's a misunderstanding of, of, of the Mass, too, that that is the sacrifice that is being, um, I want to say, remembered um, again because Christ only died for us once. But, he, but by doing so, and, he, and people need to go to, to um, the Scripture and go to John 6.30 or 6.32, 
to read about exactly what we're talking about. Um, I think that's the most important um, information in Scripture that really gives you an idea of what's going on and, and how disciples, when Jesus told them that you must eat my flesh and drink my blood, which was against Mosaic law, that many of the disciples walked away, which is so terribly sad. But I'm sure if I was there, I, I may have done the very same mm-hmm. thing. That's right. So, you know, there, there was a, a, a leap of faith that people had to take. And that goes back to, if you think about our faith, we're, we're to walk not by sight, but by faith. Mm-hmm. So faith comes into this when you're receiving the Eucharist. But Jesus, you know, in Scripture, in, you know, John chapter 6, 35, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I have said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe, and that the Father gives me, and all, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and him who comes to me I will not cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up at the last day. I mean, he's everything that Jesus did was in obedience to his Father. And if his Father said, you know, we are going to create this situation where in, in order to receive the, the, the graces so necessary for us to walk through this life and to gain heaven, this is, this is the food that's going to take us there. And what would you say is the main question that people would have about all this? Like you're sitting in the, you're sitting there and you're thinking, yes, but. You know what I think it is? I think it's lack of knowledge of scripture. Because if you, and I, I, will, I will say this, because of Bible study, when you go into the Old Testament and you, you start to see how these weren't just crazy stories. These linked in certain ways, they mean something because we have a better knowledge of the New Testament, especially I would say Luke, mm-hmm. and it starts making sense. Oh my gosh, that's why that happened, and it's connected with this, and these words that they use mean something here, and it's it's not it, it's not a coincidence. So, do you yeah. think that most people go to church and think that they're entitled to communion just because they showed up? Yes. Yes. And what do you think caused that? Um, I think it's lack of catechesis. Um, I think it's, um, you know, when I was growing up, we had to fast from midnight on when I was young. And so everybody went to 8 o'clock Mass in the morning. And if you fasted and you had gone to confession, you would receive communion. And on Saturday afternoons is when everybody would show up at the church to go to confession prior to, you know, going to Mass the next day. I mean, we didn't go every week, but it was on a regular basis. And I think we've lost that. And so people just casually receive communion, not as well prepared as you should be, honestly. Um, and I, <laughs> every time I see, see people in the communion line chewing gum, going up to communion, I want to scream. That's right. And, and I know you're a Eucharistic minister, and that would just absolutely send me off. And um, but I think I think I think it's out of ignorance a lot of times. Yes, I don't think it's bad faith. I really no. think it's ignorance. Yeah, 
you know, if they were better informed and, um, well, lack of conversion. And how often have we talked about this? If they have not had an encounter with Jesus, Mm -hmm. if they don't have a personal relationship with Mm -hmm. Jesus, it's not going to make any difference to them. Because if you have that relationship, you know that you're receiving him. And it's important. It's important for me. You know, it's for my sanctification. It's for my growth. Um, it's something that I know I need. And you desire it when you have that when you have that relationship. So I think that people are lacking that real encounter that's necessary. And they don't understand, you know, what their identity is and the power that they have, you know. So how do you encounter? What is this encounter that we're talking about? Well, it's it's an it's an encounter with a person. It's it's not a fairy tale. It's not something that's made up. It is truly a person. And if you are open to that, is is I you you were at the um, encounter graduation, but I think you left, and I had to. Um, say something about that encounter school class, what I got. And I was, you know, I said the word encounter is when something unexpected happens. You know, you didn't plan on this happening. And I said, that's how this encounter school struck me that it was like the road to Emmaus. I'm along the road thinking I know scripture. I have a good, good understanding of my faith, all of this. And someone comes up behind me and starts talking to me about everything, and I'm getting a deeper and deeper understanding. And that's what that class did. Mm -hmm. And as you get a deeper understanding, you want more. Mm -hmm. You want more of him. You want more of your faith. And you understand your faith is is so valuable. And I think people have to be reminded that, you know, this this walk that we're on, this pilgrimage that we're on on earth is going to end. That's right. And I want to have I want to have some control where I'm going. Mm -hmm. And again, Look at look at what people, you know, out of ignorance, you know, just don't concentrate on that at all. And they think if they're good, everything's fine. And there's really no challenge to um, how we live our lives in many ways. Well, they feel like they're entitled. Yeah. Yeah. And it, this is the one wonderful thing about the Catholic faith, because as I've learned, and it's still, you know, it's hard to grasp how much God has allowed us, what he has given us. Because when you are when you truly realize that you're made in the image and likeness of God and you're pre, priest, prophet, and king, that is really important. I mean... That's right. To really understand that. Yeah. That, you know, we walk around the world not understanding what our real identity is. And uh, the other thing that I think is has been helpful is like, you know, I realize people don't understand this. You know, you can't get angry about it. What you have to do is is evangelize them. That's right. And you've been doing this for years and years and years. And that's the key to it. If they can if they can find out who Jesus is, how much he loves you, and how much he will do for you to get to heaven, mm-hmm. which is our, our home. Mm-hmm where we'll have perfect happiness and having lost a spouse, I want to get there because I want to see him again. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of things that come into play, I think, as you get older and special people around you start passing away. You you start becoming um, uh, 
conscious of the fact that that um, we're nearer the end than we are the beginning of our lives, so we better start taking some things um, seriously. So it prepares you for a, a better exit, in other words. Oh yeah, that's what you're saying. Absolutely, and it's a, it's a it's something that I desire. <clears throat> you know that that holiness in Scripture it says, "Be holy as I am holy." Mm-hmm. You know, we have that that possibility through the graces that we receive, and what you live a happier life in that lifestyle. How many times, you know, people keep saying, oh, it's rules. You can't do this. You can't do that. Yes, there are rules. But if you are open to the rules, it gives you absolutely more freedom than you have otherwise. Well, plus everything in life has rules. That's what kills me. It's like people only object to rules and safeguards having to do with the faith. But, you know, when you operate a vehicle, there are rules. When you live as a citizen in a society, there are rules, mm-hmm. right? You live in a family, there are rules, right? Yes. Why one. would one have to assume that that the life of faith is the one arena in which there are no guidelines? I mean, that makes no sense, right? It, it makes no sense, but we're so susceptible to it because it has to do with something that we can't see and feel, you know? And, That's right. And we don't want to give in to, to that authority. Um so but what do you I, think are other questions that other people think? Let's just say people, <clears throat> maybe your average parishioner who doesn't who shows up but doesn't really understand perhaps the need for um, you know a proper understanding of the real presence. You know, like a person in the pew. Let me ask you this: What about when you go to a, a wedding or a funeral and you have non-Catholics who um, who expect to go up to communion? Mm-hmm. That's pretty delicate, right? It is pretty delicate. And I think that many times the priests handle it beautifully, but, you know, they're not going to know who's really Catholic or who's not. Mm-hmm. Um, because I have seen people from other faiths that have some sort of communion that will receive communion and think it's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you know, if we're going back to, to um, society as a whole, that it's my way or the highway, Right. It's it's pride. It's it's can be ignorance. Well, it's mostly ignorance, I think, because <clears throat> people from other faith communions probably don't have any objections with us sharing their, uh, you know, whatever they consider to be communion. Well, well, and, here's one thing. You know, Catholics that that you know come to to church, Christmas, Easter, mm-hmm. weddings, that sort of thing. And they don't think that there are any repercussions from not going to Mass on, on all the other Sundays. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Sunday is a holy day. Mm-hmm. And it's a holy day of obligation. We are to go to Mass. Mm-hmm. We are to make that effort. And, um, again, I think um, COVID had a real effect on that. Mm-hmm. And I know on Sundays, you know, I was by myself. I would, you know, it was fun because I could pick a priest. I could go online and have Bishop Barron or um, go and tune into Pennsylvania and see Bishop Gaynor that was here. I mean, you know, you had your pick. And, you know, I would participate at Mass just just like I would if I were there. Mm-hmm. And that was important. That mm-hmm. that kept it going because being away from the sacraments was a terrible thing. Oh, it was and terrible. I think, and I think people, because they could they could see it on TV, 
when the time came for them to come back, they thought, well, no, we'll just tune in on Sunday. And I don't know whether they're eating their breakfast while they're watching it or, or what, but, you know, if you stay away from this, from the sacraments, if, if you do not make this an important part of your life, you're going to lose it. Yeah. Like anything else. If you yeah. don't prize it, if you don't give it the importance that it needs, right? Right. So right. what do you think about the idea of, of the real presence? How would you explain that to somebody who just walked in? Let's say he's not even a Christian. Let's say he's Hindu or Buddhist. How would you explain adoration? Well, that's a, that's a good question. I think that, um, I think what I have to share with him, some of the, you know, the, our faith and, and what we believe in, in Christ's passion, death, and resurrection. And that um, what happened at the Last Supper, what happened at the crucifixion, and how this all leads to this perfect sacrifice of body and blood, which paid the debt that occurred with Adam and Eve, and that um, when that occurred in the garden, we basically died and created death, and we were separated from God. So by Christ's passion and death, he had to come and die in order to pay the debt and for us to be able to once again have that relationship and the opportunity of being with him for all eternity in our, in our home in heaven. And that this, this sacrifice that was made is is still intact in the Mass, and that um, at the consecration, what we see as, as a host, or as other religions call it a wafer, it stays, you know, it, it looks exactly as it, as it is, but it's changed. It has truly become the body and blood of Christ. And that's the food that we consume and it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a food that, that is needed for us to have that relationship, to have that grace. To there's so many benefits to it. Um, what do you, what do you say to people who say it's just a symbol? It's not. Well, then I, I might, you know, have to go back and say, you know, there's lots of of miracles where people doubted and something happened in this the host turned into a bloody matter or muscle or something that mm -hmm. that has been proven and in each eucharistic miracle where this has happened and they tested the blood it was type a b you know it was all the same it was heart muscle i mean it's it's been substantiated by scientists so you know god in his mercy will these things will occur to help us believe and to keep us believing. But, you know, it's, it's up to the person, you know, we have free will. We have free will, but you know, who knows when people will hear this, but we are in the week of Pentecost. We Pentecost is next Sunday, right? We're between the Ascension and Pentecost. And um, I think that the, the main prayer of our hearts should be come Holy Spirit open mm -hmm. up the eyes, the ears, and the, and the hearts of people. Because in the end, the Holy Spirit is the main agent of evangelization, right? 
And I think that we're agents of evangelization insofar as we can befriend people, we can love them without even saying anything. So that when people say, see that what we're doing, they say, cool. Well, I like them. What are they doing? And why is this so important to them? You know, that kind of thing. Right. And I um, think that there's a certain joy, you know, when you're around people that really believe there's something there that they have that you don't have and you want right. to know what it is. That's right. Because that's the way we're wired. If we're sons and daughters of God, that's right. <laughs> you know, we're wired to have that relationship. So then oftentimes people will, you know, say, what does that person have? Mm-hmm. You know, they, they can pick up and, and see it. And I think that, um, you know, I, oftentimes, and I've been around people and complete strangers and said something, you know, um, can I pray with you? Or is there, you know, is there something that I could pray for you? And you would be surprised, and I know you know this, they all want prayer. Mm-hmm. Everybody. They, they have no relationship. They, they may not, you know, be attached to any sort of religion, mm-hmm. but they're open to prayer. Mm-hmm. And they don't, know, they don't even know why. Mm-hmm. Which is great. Yes, yes. There's always an opening. And, and when you're talking about Pentecost, it's those prompti- promptings from the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. to go talk to that person or call that person you haven't talked to. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the, the little things. It's, I mean, yes, you know, signs and wonders are here and, and the same as at Pentecost. Um, but, you know, everybody's not going to go out and raise the dead, but they're going to go out and they're going to do a lot of things in terms of praying for people and healing people, not, not, you know, through our power, but the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's powerful. Mm -hmm. If we could um, get people to tune into that and find out about these things that are going on, because they are happening, I think people would start, you know, racing to church and Mm -hmm. saying, Mm -hmm. I I need to find out about this. May it happen in our day. May it be true revival, right? That's what we're praying for. Well, but but, but, but look at it this way, too, Lavinia. Um, if you go back into scripture and you go back into the early church, all the people that went to their deaths as martyrs, Mm -hmm. you know, were they all fools? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. You know, why would all these people say I would rather die than give the pinch of whatever to the the emperor or miss, miss gathering together on a Sunday. Right. And be an easy target to get rounded up. Right. And, you know, reading about some of the saints is great because I think it was St. Philip Neri that sometimes when he was saying Mass, which was about three hours long, he would levitate. Mm-hmm. They'd have to hold him down. Yeah, so would Padre Pio. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, to know, see that, right? I would, No kidding. Would that be fun? Well, at Padre Pio's Masses, you know, he would see more poor, he had more poor souls at his Mass than yeah. live people. Yeah. So there, there's, there's so much to, to investigate and to learn about. And it's, it's all good. There's nothing destructive about it. You know, it's to build people up. It's to walk with people. It's, um, it, it's, it's working out of, out of love, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And it's, that's missing a lot in today's world. Mm-hmm. Everybody's lonely. Everybody's mm-hmm. worried. Everybody has anxiety. That's you know, right. if there's ever a time for people to, to come and investigate mm-hmm. the faith, it's now. 
because there's nothing else out there that's satisfying them. So, yeah. Well, that's the key, I think, right there, you know. Uh, we're going to discuss, or in our next show, we're going to talk about Eucharistic miracles, have a little bit of fun with that. And uh, we're going to just leave it at that. Thank you for joining us. Mm-hmm.